This Where is the Loyal began. Sons Podcast, brought to you by the boys of Capel Faithful. That's at Capel Faithful on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pitt sports talk and content that you won't want to miss. If you love Kenny Pickett and hate Kevin Stallings, you're in the right place. We're glad you've decided to tune in, and as always, hail to Pitt. What's up, everyone? This is the Capel Faithful crew. Welcome to the Loyal Sons Podcast. Uh, I'm joined by my friends John and David. I'm Dylan Mitchell, and in 1982, my dad almost hit Dan Marino crossing the street on Forbes Avenue. David? Thanks, Dylan. I'm David, and Hugh Green asked my mom on a date in 1979. She said no. Big mistake. Hey, everyone. My name's John, and the last Friday night, I was up until 3.30 in the morning watching Family Guy clips with legendary pit linebacker Elijah Zeiss. That's the crew. A little bit about us. As we said, we run the Cable Faithful Twitter. Um, basically just putting out pit sports content on the daily. Um, and we decided to make a, a podcast as well. You know, all we do is talk about pit sports anyway. So we figured we might, might, might as well make something productive out of it. Yeah, Dill, we're, we're three white 20 somethings in the year 2021 of our Lord. Uh, a podcast needed to be made at some point after a couple years of uh, making pit Panther memes on Twitter. Uh, the boys of Capel Faithful have decided to press the record button. So before we uh, get into our expectations for the 2021 Pitt Panther football season and Saturday's matchup against the mighty UMass Minutemen, uh, let's let's take a 30,000 foot snapshot of the uh, Pitt Panthers program. Uh, Dylan, why don't you tell me about the state of the program? Yeah, I mean, I think Narduzzi has the program in a really good place. Um, compared to where we were before he got here you know stability is a big thing college football um and big thing i look at is one how well they've been recruiting recently uh last year they brought in a top 25 class and also just the continuity within the program Pitt isn't losing a bunch of guys at the transfer portal um and obviously in today's day and age of college sports you know the transfer portal feels like half half of all college sports is in the portal in any given off season and Pitt really doesn't have that issue. Um, so that's a big thing. And then again, and then there's the defensive reputation that they've built, um, putting guys into the NFL, you know, a lot of depth on the defense, especially this year, which we'll talk about. Um, but I, I really do like where, where we sit. Yeah. I think the word of the year for all of the previews about Pitt is depth. If you look at this team across the board, it's not just, we have a piece here, a piece there. When you look to the pre-Narduzzi era, we had some really good players like Tyler Boyd, Jordan Whitehead, but those defenses were basically just those players. It was one or two really good guys here and there, and everyone else was hopefully good enough and hopefully could piece together a good enough team to keep us in games. Now, if you look at our 2D, somebody said, hey, I think our third string defensive end can be really good if he plays, I would agree with you, so... The depth is there. The quality of players there with recruiting. I think back two years ago when you'd see pitch recruiting classes, a lot of these guys would have uh, Mac offers. Yeah, you'd see guys we FCS have Rutgers, offers. FCS offers. Nothing really stand out now. Not that we're talking shit on the Mid American Conference, right? Of course not. We would never do that. Yeah, we're big Mac fans here. But when you look at the recruiting sheets of these players that Pitt's bringing in, you see Ohio State, you see Penn State, you see Michigan, you see SEC teams. So we're getting quality players across the board, and we're starting to fill out a good roster top to bottom. 
Can I offer a, a counter? Can I be the heel here? I think I know what you're going to say. So I, I, I consider myself a bit of a college football history buff, and I, I like to view the game from almost, almost outer space from the first game in, in 1969 between Rutgers and Yale and, until today. And, and I think if you look in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's easy to be a little disappointed by the state of this program. I love that we are consistently, you know, a above 500 competitive team. Uh, but I think that this city, this university, and this program deserves better than to be the perennial upset special. Um, when you look at the last 20 years, it's, it's not a program that's been, you know, in, incredibly competitive. And I know it's, it's kind of hard to gauge what being competitive means in an era that has been dominated by about four teams and I genuinely think the college football playoff uh, expanding to 12 teams is going to be good for Pitt as it's good for all um, teams outside of Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Alabama but I it, it just hurts me a little bit that past 20 years we haven't seen one breakthrough pit team that it's it's consistently the same thing six you know five to eight wins and you know every two years we have a uh what's supposed to be a program defining upset but never ends up turning anything around so i am going into the season optimistic uh but understandably i think i'm a little bit soured on what has become of Dan Marino and Tony Dorsett's Pitt Panthers. And I think that's the reason why this year is such a pivotal year for Narduzzi and huge. just the program in general. If we can have a nine, 10 win season and get Pitt on like the national, uh, the national media's attention, I think that can keep the ball rolling with recruiting, keep getting the top local guys, the top guys across the country. And we can, Continue the success and almost be a blip on the radar. Like, hey, we got nine wins, but now we're back to typical five hundred ball. Yeah, Pitt, Pitt just kind of needs to build some momentum here. Um, there's a lot of local recruits in these upcoming classes. You look at, you know, Rodney Gallagher from Laurel Highlands. You look at Tamir Robinson from Bashir, um, Quentin Martin at Belvern and Lamont Payne at Shar Valley. I can go on, but there's a lot of talent locally these next couple of years. And it seems like Pitt has their attention. So if Pitt can come into this season, like John said, win nine, 10 games, um, really, you know, get themselves in the national rankings, play some big time matchups. They're going to have chances to play uh, in conference games where if Pitt's ranked, the other team will likely be ranked as well. Playing some big games and get these, uh, get these local kids excited and land some of these recruits and just keep building. I mean, I, th there's a lot of positives there, and I like what Narduzzi has done recruiting on at least one half of the ball. But I don't it comes know, down man. to winning. It, it comes down to winning. It, it does come down to winning, and and Pitt's trademark has been this concept of of pitting the last couple of years. You know, losing to Youngstown State and then showing up to to Death Valley, you know, and play playing Clemson and beating them somehow, and I don't know. It, it's it's this idea that we are a program that has been on the precipice for all of these years, uh, and yet we're we're still dropping stupid games we shouldn't. We're we're, we're blowing twenty point leads, and at at what point do we turn it around? I, I go into every season thinking, why not us this year? Why can't we be this year's Coastal Carolina? Why can't we be this year's 
you know, Liberty or BYU. Um, I mean, heck, even Syracuse won 10 games one year. The Stars need to align, and the Stars should align this year. The Another word you, or another sense you hear is, if not now, then when? And I think that cannot be more true. You look back to some seasons in the Nardis era, it's like, wow, that team is really good. If we didn't play top-ranked uh, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, and like Clemson or Miami, who are all highly ranked, we could have had a nine, 10 win season, but our schedule was just too tough. If we were, if we had a mediocre non conference, we could just walk our way through with easy four wins. That's a 10 win season. It looks good, but we haven't had that. And we haven't been able to win games we're supposed to. We can't pull off upsets every week. So we're stuck with seven, eight win seasons. This is the year we should be four and oh, non conference. That's me knocking on wood. And then we should take care of business with some of the teams that we should beat in the ACC and put together a year that can catapult into more success. Okay, John. So, so let's go with that. Um, Cause that kind of transitions us into our next topic. What, what would you define the stars aligning for Pitt this season uh, looking like who needs to outperform expectations? What, what does Pitt need to do to have a, a season that we would dub a success? I still think our defense is going to be really good despite all the talent we lost. So my X factor or player that needs to step up the most is Lucas Kroll. Give Kenny Pickett that safety blanket. You see Travis Kelsey. You see Rob Gronkowski. Pittsburgh yes. no Heath Miller. Give Pickett that safety blanket. It opens the entire offense. Not just the passing game, but the run game. Just one more thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, we've heard a lot of hype about Crawl in the offseason, in this preseason, through spring, all of that, and everything points to that. He's looked really good. Um, we need him to be that because Pitt hasn't had a threat at tight end in, in a good while now. Um, and like you said, having that big safety blanket for the quarterback, having a big red zone target, giving us more chances to score in the red zone, we need that big country boy to go up and catch some passes and make some plays for us. How, how deeply pit was it that we get this uh, 6 6 240 tight end from Florida who who runs a 4-4 and he plays like four snaps last year drops a ball and then is out for the entire season I think I think if there is a god he owes it to the University of Pittsburgh for Lucas Kroll to at least be workable but I, I think there's a lot more expectation than that. At least that's what it seems out of the program. Uh, and even amongst analysts who are typically like, kind of quick to ignore pit guys. I know we get, we complain about it all the time. There's, I, I've heard murmurs about Lucas Kroll as an NFL tight end, just on frame and build and, and, you know, ability alone. Yeah. Personally, I've seen Lucas Kroll make a couple catches in the spring game. Yeah. It's a spring game, but I, my mouth started watering in Hinesville. I'm like, oh, my gosh. If Pitt has a weapon like this, think about our offense. He's massive. He's scary. And dude. fast. He's so fast. He's, like, too perfect of a prototypical tight end to be bad. Like, there's no way, shape, or form he should be bad, right? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know we're talking about Pitt here, and we're, like, the worst tight end factor in the country, but – uh. I don't know how much Lucas Charles James JP Holmes would like to have a word with you. Yeah, I mean, since him and Orndorff, though, what have we had? I don't know how much I trust Tim Salem. It's more so what, what we're, I think we're leaning towards. The guy who tried to sway recruits by telling them how, how Pitt blocks. 
I didn't see that last year. True. True. We'll see what happens. Carl definitely him and Izzy X factors on offense. That's that's the way I look at it. Yeah, Dill. Izzy's gonna be huge this year. Um, but I think the bigger factor is the five guys in front of him, Warren, Miner, Drexel, Cradle, and uh Hoy. Those five guys and uh Gonsalves, whenever he sees the field, that is that is going to be the key. Uh last year, if you recall, offensive line, even anchored by Jimmy Morrissey, uh didn't look great. Um, but it 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 was the most peculiar thing when a bunch of our starters went out and we had to filter in some of the guys that are starting this year, um, some of the younger guys, it almost looked like they started to gel a little bit, would you say? Yeah, yeah that could be sure. the one good thing that came out of COVID. The offensive line, saw some different combinations, some new guys got experience, we have to evaluate how good they are. So hopefully they'll be better this year based off of that experience they gained last year. I think if you look at those last couple of games, they started to run the ball pretty well against Virginia Tech. The whole offense looked a lot better against Virginia Tech. And then Clemson, that game's kind of a wash. And then Georgia Tech, you know, we just kind of ran the ball down the throats. Yeah, so that's that's sort of how I remembered it. So I, I did a little bit of, you know, digging into that. It kind of looks like Gonsalves, when he was a redshirt freshman, might have been the straw that stirred the drink. He played uh, like three games last year and our – yardage output was significantly higher uh in fact he performed well enough that uh at least one outlet the uh football writers association of america named him a uh freshman all-american he started three games and what you know was was added to that list oddly enough he is not listed as the starter at either tackle position going into this year yeah i think they kind of just went with uh seniority with carter warren um, you know, I don't want to say, you know, they just gave it to him as a seniority thing, but maybe just as a maturity thing, you know, knowing, knowing what he has to do, these coaches see him every day in camp. Um, but I, I think Gonsalves will still play a lot. I don't anticipate him to, you know, only get in if, you know, say Carter Warren gets injured. I think those guys will rotate a good bit. I hate that they feel like rolling out seniors on the depth chart is almost like a golden star, but apparently Warren and Hoy were very impressive uh, in camp. So maybe it could be a positive after all. I don't know. John, I know you kind of have a theory about that. Yeah, I think Warren is definitely a tackle and Gonzalez, whenever he's played, he's kind of moved around last year with guys out with COVID. He was kind of forced to play different spots just to simply fill holes and I think maybe he's like the utility guy. If somebody goes down or doesn't look very impressive in the line early on, Narduzzi might say, you know what, you're out, Gonzalez, you're on, whether that's a right guard, right tackle, left tackle, whatever. I think he can kind of do it all. He's the jack of all trades. So I think that might be what's happening here. But what do I know? I'm not an offensive line coach. I weigh 150 pounds. And I've never been to the gym in my life. So take that for what it's worth. Either, either way, we're returning a line that, uh, you know, four guys saw significant time last year. The fifth minor is a transfer from the Maryland Terrapins. He saw significant time at Maryland. He probably would have been a starter this year, but apparently he was looking for a change of scenery, uh, at least according to him. So this this needs to be a better unit than it was last year. We were, we were simply incapable of running the football. It made us a one-dimensional team, uh, and it, it – cut down on an already insignificant playbook of Mark Whipple. Uh, so we're, we're going to need them to get going. And uh, I, 
if I can just basically steal half the team for my X Factor, is the Abataconda. Uh, I I need a thousand yards. I need a thousand yeah. yards. I'd hope to think that just plugging Izzy in there will solve all those problems, but I think deep down in the back of my mind, I'm thinking maybe this offensive line isn't that great at run blocking, and that's the problem. He needs room to run. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, he might be able to break a few more tackles than Vincent Davis could when he would get grabbed and ragdolled in the backfield, but they still need some room, make some holes. Guys need to have some space to make guys miss. Yeah, if it were the running back's fault last year, um, then Kenny Pickett would have been running for his life, you know, three or four plays a drive. Well, um, now that we've talked about the offense and both of you guys think the X factors are on offense, let me throw a little curveball on you because no one's going to think the X factor has anything to do with the defense. The defense is great. Everyone knows that, right? Well, I'll tell you what. Sure. Where I'm really looking is that defensive backfield. Um, there's a lot of talent to replace back there. Uh, Paris Ford's gone, DeMar Hamlin's gone, Jason Pinnock's gone. Um, and there's a little bit of experience back there. You know, Damari Mathis missed last year. Super productive last season he started. Um, he was on one of the all-ACC teams. And Marquez Williams played a lot for Pitt last year, and I thought it looked solid. He's just a tiny guy. Um, but I, it'll be interesting to see how they come out and step up because the defense is still going to need to win them games. I don't think the offense is going to be good enough to just – trot out and score 40 points um so i want to see how these defensive backs step up because they could be i could see that being the weak link of the defense yeah we're pretty good stable of cornerbacks like you mentioned there um i like brandon hill a lot whenever paris ford opted out the secondary didn't already miss a beat he kind of surprised because of all the highlight plays ford made but brandon hill stepped right in and was very very good i'm really looking forward to watching him play I think Hamlin's going to be the biggest loss. We asked Hamlin to do so much in this defense. I think his responsibilities on defense were among the hardest in the country, what Narduzzi asked him to do in our scheme. Eric Howard's played, and I think the coaches like him a lot, but I'm not sure what kind of upside he has. Hopefully, Rashad Battle is really good. I think he's – Well, that was that was pretty much the biggest battle at camp, Howlett and Battle, no pun intended, but that was pretty much the biggest position battle. And it seems like Hallett has the upper hand right now. Um, but I do think um, – I'm really intrigued by Battle. He's 6'3". He's a big safety. And Narduzzi did kind of compare him to Hamlin. I don't know if he meant to make that comparison as like a player thing or just because they can both play both defensive back spots. But um, I think there's a lot of potential there for sure. But for me, a lot of it is just like, what have you shown me? And that Battle hasn't played a ton of snaps, um, you know, Along with the safety, you know. yeah, exactly. And then we have Devonshire, who played a little bit at Kentucky, but he's new there. I've heard great things about him, but another thing is, you know, will it show up on Saturdays? That's a big thing. Regardless of whoever plays, uh, they're going to have to come correct in the midpoint of this season because we have Sam Howell, uh, De'Aaron King, and uh, DJ Uyongalele right in a row. That's is that how you pronounce it? I, I honestly yeah. haven't heard it. Uyongalele. Okay, I'll keep it in the back of my mind. Irregardless, uh, so, you know that's that's three strong passing attacks. You know, two of two of maybe the top five quarterbacks in the NCAA, and then De'Aaron King, who I still haven't really figured out yet. Um, but at least they have like a very creative offense and a lot of playmakers. Uh, and then I'm I'm tired of hearing about it, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, Virginia Tech doesn't have you know a 
a quarterback who who you're going to write home about, but they're credited a lot with uh, having a creative passing attack uh, and one of the best passing game coordinators in the NCAA. So that's, that's I mean, our, our four hardest games, as we might, you know, touch upon in, in predictions, wink, wink, that's four games that the defensive backfield is going to have to be, you know, strapped and ready. So you're putting, just to backtrack a little, you're putting Yuan Galele, top five quarterback in the NCAA right now? Oh, absolutely. No, no question. No doubt. Uh, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, DJ Uyunglele. I have Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I was going to say Pickett though. First of all, don't even say that. I'll assume that list wasn't in order or else you would have said Pickett <laughs> first, but carry on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Present company excluded. And I say present company because I believe that Kenny Pickett is uh, with us in our hearts at all time. Uh, he's like Jesus or Santa Claus. Uh, but irregardless, no, I, I really think DJ Uyunglele, I, I like him as my my Heisman. I don't want to say sleeper because he is the starting quarterback at Clemson, uh, but I have uh, money on him. So I think he's I think he's pretty good. I mean, he's definitely pretty good. I just uh, – <laughs> obviously – I think he's Heisman good. Okay. I mean, he played in one game last year. Granted, they lost, but he, didn't he throw for like 400 yards against Notre Dame? He played in – he played in two games and threw for like seven hundred yards. Yeah, that ain't bad. Yeah, that ain't bad. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I can get on board with Young Galway top five. I can get on board with that. You know, I'm so proud of our fucking football team, man. We're, we're, we're awesome. Well, the last couple of minutes kind of represented our wish list for Pitt football this year, but I I kind of want to get realistic here for a second. Realistically, where do you guys see the Pitt Panthers this year? Uh, Final records, John, go. Oh, my goodness. Putting the gun to my head. I mean, I've only thought about this for the last six months since the schedule came out. So I've had plenty of time to so pick a number. This. I'm going nine. Nine what? Just nine? Nine wins. Is that with a bull game, without a bull game? Come on. Regular season. Nine, nine and three? Yeah. I was right in the same uh, area there. I was saying the same thing. I'm saying we get the nine with a bull win. Eight and four in the regular season, get the nine winning a bull game. Um, you know, that's just me trying to be unbiased here because um, I'm still holding out for the yeah, third time too in the I'm regular with season. You. But. I'm, I'm with you, Dill. I'm in the same boat. I mean, there's, there's a strong number of gimmies on this schedule, but, like, there's a lot of games Pitt should win, which means they're dropping at least one. Well, let's look. I mean, you look at the non-conference. Let's look at that. We got UMass. We got at Tennessee, which will be a big one. Tennessee's not very good, but it's on the road against the SEC team. And then we got Western Michigan, New Hampshire. They got to go 4-0 in that stretch. That You have That's to. Plain and simple. You have to. For some weird reason, I am more worried about Western Michigan at home. I am Tennessee on the road. That's just a classic pit. One might sneak up on you, but I don't know. I don't completely blame Tennessee just announced that Joe Milton's their starting quarterback, and you look at everything else that Tennessee's lost, that should be a game that Pitt wins. Will it with everything else surrounding it? Uh, I feel like nobody knows it's Pitt. Yeah, again, you can't throw around the word should when you're talking about Pitt football because that means it won't. That's just the way it is. We're, we're, so we're all around three, four losses. Where do you guys see those? I think there's a four games that you can really point to, and it's a f- and 
all four of those games are within a five game stretch. You got at Virginia Tech, then we got uh, Clemson at home, got Miami at home, we got UNC at home with Duke sprinkled in there. Um, and I think those, in my opinion, just looking at the schedule um, overview at the beginning of the year, I think those are the four toughest games. Yeah, whenever you look at a pit schedule, you always try to pick out, hey, this is the team we're going to get this year. This is going to be the game that we win when we're 14-point underdogs or 20-point underdogs. This year, we don't have to have one of those games for it to be a good year. We can take care of business in all the games we quote-unquote should win and maybe sneak one of those out as a cherry on top. But even if we lose those games to the like the three top teams that everyone's saying in the ACC, UNC, Miami, Clemson, that's still a really good year. The thing that scares me with that, though, is we're setting ourselves up to say that Pitt, at, at worst, would lose one game on the road. And despite, you know, there is some good fortune to having UNC, Miami, and Clemson at home because it gives you a better shot against those teams. But if you drop three games at home, that, that makes getting to eight or nine wins a lot tougher. Yeah, and again, the assumption that Pitt is going to take care of business against – teams that it rightly should defeat that's why so of my four losses uh one of them is actually either western michigan or georgia tech i don't think there's any way Pitt escapes any football season in the the 21st century without a stupid loss um and then you know i i do think that they steal one from north carolina but then they also lose to virginia tech miami and clemson if you look at, I mean, if you look at how the schedule lines up, and that's kind of the scary part about it is you're referencing maybe Western Michigan or Georgia Tech. If they get those through those teams and the other non-conference games, they're starting the season five and zero. When was the last time Pitt started five and zero? That is the other thing. That is the other the, the one like like light that shines through this year for me because you know we have that murderer's row, but the one light. That, that shines through before that three-game stretch is there is a possibility that Pitt could be, what, like 6-0 going into a game against possibly, like, one-loss Clemson? That's exciting. Num- number one Clemson. I mean, I don't think the preface they'll have a loss. I mean, that could be number one Clemson. I know we've got our hopes up about potential game day, but, damn, that Pitt would, Pitt would have to be 6-0. We've never seen Pitt 6-0. I said earlier, the stars might align this year just because we don't have that heavy hitter in the non-conference schedule, like Oklahoma State, Penn State's off the schedule. We don't face Notre Dame earlier in the year, so put up or shut up. Yeah, I mean, if Pitt can start this season 6-0, and 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 this is what is actually exciting me about the Pitt season. I know at some point I'm going to be deeply hurt, but what excites me is going into that matchup against Clemson, the possibility of being undefeated, you know, the, the beers are going down a little bit smoother in the parking lot. Uh, the stadium has more than the players' parents and girlfriends in it, like a little bit of buzz around fit football, a little bit of, a little bit of fire in the belly looking into a, like a, a big game at Heinz Field. What would you give for college game to come to Heinz Field for Pitt versus Clemson's two ranked teams? What wouldn't I give? <laughs> Uh, yeah. probably, probably a couple organs, a few years off my life, firstborn child. But no, oh, I mean, I I couldn't imagine. I'm my so excited. Child's gonna be named Juan's dad. If, if, if Pickett's game day here, 
I can't concentrate during work thinking about us playing UMass in a couple of days. I well, can't even I imagine what my brain would be doing. You'd have to do I'm studies s- on what my brain would I'm be thinking so juiced during for, that week. I'm so juiced up for tailgating on Saturday and going into pit or into Heinz Field to watch Pitt play UMass. The the sheer thought of even if a game day wasn't here, but if Pitt was like six and zero or five and one when Clemson came into town. Oh my gosh, I'm getting chills about it right now. So let's let's not get ourselves too excited. Let's get yeah, we're excited. working ourselves up a little bit. <laughs> One week at a time, boys. You got to take care of the minute, man. I will say this: I think, I think we can all agree that it being Kenny Pickett's senior season, it's his fourth full year as a starter. They will go as far as he can take them. Absolutely, absolutely. It was the unspoken when we were talking about X factors, but I, I don't think there's any shame in talking about him separately. I mean, he, he, the team will go as he goes. Dylan hit it entirely on the head. We've been waiting for his breakout season since he dove for the pylon against Miami in 2017, 2017. Yep. 2017. Uh, and, and he's looked good. His numbers haven't but he has looked good at times. He can move well. He's been plagued by, you know, bad drops and worse play calling his entire career. So why, why not this year? You know, I mean, if the, if the receivers are better, if crawl is an upgraded tight end, if the running game is better, I really do think like Pickett's going to put up some serious numbers. Um, We, we say it all the time. But the people who watch the games, and obviously the people who know they're talking about, because Pickett's being talked about as getting drafted, being an NFL draftee at quarterback, they know that Pickett can sling the rock and he's accurate. It just really doesn't show up in the stat sheet for a plethora of reasons. I'm not saying he's perfect, but how many times last year did a receiver get tackled or trip up at the one-yard line or catch a ball and just fall? They don't get any – And then Nick of- Patty punched it in. Yeah, like how many times – vulturing touchdowns from Pickett. Pickett I remember I did this at one point. There were at least seven or eight times a receiver was tackled inside the two-yard line last year after catching a pass. That's absurd. That's a, that is bullshit. So, Pickett will take Pitt to the promised land because it's his senior year. It's his fifth year. He got an extra year. He decided to come back when we didn't think he was. The stars are lining, baby. And with no, him I'm, came Mark Whipple. Uh, yeah, don't – come on. <laughs> It's really good I'm sorry. Though. I'm sorry. You were you were you were ascending the mountaintop. Please continue. Thank you for knocking me down a few pegs. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know what? After the picket talk, I'm back. Pit, Pitt's going nine and three instead of eight and four, and then ten ten wins with a bowl game. I'm yeah. going eight and four still because uh, somebody needs to stake their claim as heel on episode one, and God damn it, it's going to be me. Fuck you for being realistic. <laughs> In order to win eight or nine games, you got to start with week one. All right, we got the uh, UMass Minutemen this week. Um, how are we feeling about this game, everyone? They're going to kick their heads clean off their shoulders. Like, I cannot emphasize this enough. I, there's so much talk about how Pitt doesn't show up against, like, inferior opponents umass is so bad it is going to impose their will i'm i'm, I'm so taking pit with the points i'm taking pit with the points i think the spreads at 38 now i'm taking pit to win by more than that 
Yeah, UMass is the 129th ranked college football team by S&P. This is as bad as a program as we're ever going to play. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like the those good, decent FCS teams, like the Youngstown States, are like definitely better than UMass is right now. And I know they talk a lot about they've got some transfers coming in. They got a couple guys from UNC, a couple guys from Rutgers, wherever else, um, quarterbacks from Colorado. But I'm I'm still very certain we're going to kick their heads in. No, I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you, you heard me just kind of be a dick about pit football for like 30 minutes. I, I think this is going to be a cathartic ass beating. Yeah. I want gonna... this to look like Austin P last year. I want this to look like the Delaware game. Whenever we had James Connor, where he was running for like 30 yards to carry. So I want to see this offense just impose their will and do whatever they want, run the ball, throw the ball, whatever Whipple dials up. I want 15 yards minimum. All right, so I think we all expect Pitt to win and win pretty handily, but let's talk specifics. Uh, what do you need to see in order to consider this game like a good sign for the rest of the season? Well, I think the the very obvious one is we need to see the running game. Pitt yes. needs to be able to impose their will against an inferior team, especially running the football. They can't go out there and have to have – Pickett throw the ball or Pickett and Patty throw the ball 40, 50 times. Like we should be able to run the ball, run it down their throats. Yeah. I think this week we're going to see a a good dose of all the running backs. We all want to see Izzy be the workhorse this year, but we're going to get a mix of a lot of Vincent Davis, a lot of AJ Davis, and probably everyone else on the team, Sibley and Dan Carter will get touches just because get out of this week healthy, move on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to see pick it in there for too long i don't want to see jordan addison in there for too long uh but what i do want to see is just across the board discipline it's what i'm i, I want a good drubbing yeah. i want i want but i also want no legal procedures no drops i, I want to see a clean disciplined football team definitely drops and on defense i want to see you know I, I, they need to really get after the quarterback. I want to see these guys filling in for Weaver and Jones. Um, you know, we got the four, probably top 40 DNs with Morgan, Baldonado, Alexander, Hayes. Yeah. Those guys got it. Why don't, why don't we log seven, eight sacks on Saturday? I think we all expect it. I think we all expect those guys to step in for, uh, for Weaver and Jones, but I, I want to physically see it on Saturday. Yeah, in years past, you've had a lot of highly touted guys, highly recruited guys have their turn to step up and kind of hoping that they're doing good. But now we have some, like, tangible evidence. Like, Desmond Alexander was a beast whenever he's played. Uh, even Dayon Hayes last year, he got in a good amount just with injuries and whatnot and cycling in as a freshman, he looked good. So I want to see them – yeah, I want to see them take more of a workload. There's no Pat Jones. There's no – Rashad Weaver, these are the guys, and I want to see him get after it for a full 60-minute game. You know what else I'd like to see? I'd like to see the fans stick what, around Dill? through the fourth quarter. I want to see some fans stick around all game. We're going to have a lot of recruits in the stands. A lot of big-time local recruits are going to be at the game. Fans, stick around, have fun. It's our first time we can go to Heinz Field in two years. Like, let's stick around and have some fun on Saturday. Oh, it'll be a party. and I, I want to see a little bit of – a fan service from Narduzzi to keep them in their seats. I want them to do the things that they know that Pitt Panthers want. And for me, that is getting Lucas and crawl Lucas crawl over involved early and often. 
I I want them to give us what we've been waiting for for two years. Well, they did it last year against Austin P. I remember sitting back and watching Pickett throw bombs left and right. I'm like, well, this is Jalen Barton's first game, and he got a 60-yard pass. And Addison looked good. Everyone looked good. So I want to see the young guys get in, whether it's the backup quarterbacks, the receivers who are lower on the depth chart. I want to see everyone get involved. Oh, yeah. I also want to see – I want to see a few touchdown passes from Pickett because – at least three because we need his Heisman campaign kicked off, right? Yeah, 300 yards, four touchdowns. Let us start making the signs on our way to Knoxville. Damn right. So in terms of score predictions, what are you guys thinking? You want me to kick it off? Please. So we just talked all that stuff about how bad they're going to beat them. Um, but to be realistic here, you know, this is my honest opinion. My score prediction, I got 48 to 7. I think they'll find their way on the board once UMass, um, maybe a fluky play. Um, but I really think the defense will impose their will, and I think they'll cover. I'm going to say 48-7. Panthers, obviously. Thank Thanks. you for clarifying. <laughs> what about you, John? Yeah, I said it earlier. Um, I think Pitt covers the 38-point spread. Give me 52-6. to six. UMass doesn't see the end zone, but they might get a – Couple of chip shot field goals. I went fifty-four to ten. Uh, I think UMass gets an early field goal, a late touchdown against the backups. Uh, but I, I think Pat Narduzzi and Mark Whipple are so fed up with hearing questions about the offense this off season that they just lay it on as thick as possible. I think that's the way to go too. I, I, I don't want them to conserve the playbook. I, I want them to come out and hit on the plays that they know they need to get later in the season, execute early because we, we simply can't come out of this game scoring like 28 points. Like we did against Villanova a few, a few years back. We got, we got to come out and just. The week after that Villanova game, we took down Penn state at home. So. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Squid. I mean, I, it worked out, but. I, I, I agree. Though. Points I agree. Though. I want to see a lot of points. I want this offense to get in rhythm. I think really. Rhythm is the biggest thing. We've seen this offense in the past look really good, and then the next drive come out and lay an egg with a minus three-yard run, incomplete pass, and a four-yard pass and punt. This I game needs see this to look like getting rhythm and carry over to the Tennessee game week two. That's a big one. This game needs to look like IMG rolling. versus Bishop Sycamore. That's what it needs to look like. Does UMass have any thirty-year-olds on their team that we're not aware of? No, but they have a bunch of shitty football players. <laughs> For like 24 hours, that was my favorite sports story in like years. And then immediately the internet just ruined it with uh, Manti Teo jokes and like, yeah, like yeah, all the, all the meme shit. of that one guy's dad on a recruiting visit wearing uniform saying that this is the starting running back. Yeah, we've seen the same memes over and over, but simply one of the more wild stories we've seen wait, in wait. sports in a while. Uh, verbal meme, verbal meme. Uh, Carlos from Benchwarmers handing the umpire a piece of paper that says I am 12 with a 10, and the tweet is Bishop Sycamore. You better go get that tweet off. Maybe we'll yes, Quinn, can you actually favorite. put that one together? <laughs> On it already. No, that is, that is ridiculous. I, I think ESPN and, and Disney, from a larger view, have way too much money to let a bunch of 30-year-olds from a fake school trot out. How does that ha- I, I just don't get how that happened. I know they're, they're blaming Paragon marketing because they're the ones who set the game up. But, like, how did they not vet 
vet that team a little better. Like, I mean, whoever put the game together, I'm sure they've had to have been fired by now. If not, I don't know what Paragon's doing. But, like, and and honestly, IMG's getting off a little too scotch-free here. IMG played this team last year and beat them 56-6, to and they scheduled them again this year. I get IMG has trouble finding teams because they're not a real – they're not a real high school team. They're they're essentially a minor league, minor league team for yeah. the best colleges in the country. But don't don't schedule a team you beat by fifty last year. They, they had to have known that this team was a joke. What did you uh, uh, say the marketing company was called? Paragon. Could you imagine being some like mid level marketing firm? I don't have any idea of what size they are, but like some some medium marketing firm and getting hired by ESPN and then trotting out a fake high school team on their behalf or even worse ESPN scapegoating you for it. <laughs> well, if you listen to the broadcast, the announcers were like, yeah, we don't know like, half of this roster. They didn't give us a real roster. Like we were told that they have prospects, but uh, we don't know. It's like you're ESPN. Do a quick search on your recruiting website. Figure this stuff out. You didn't do any like, research beforehand. You didn't raise any red flags. That hey, you said you have all these like D one level prospects, but according to rivals, ESPN twenty four seven, they don't exist. They played Stowe Rocks two days before. Stowe Rocks, all respect to Stowe Rocks. Great, great two- PR to Stowe Rocks, by the way. Great national PR. Great, great two A team. Ha- have a good chance of winning the Whitfield this year. Have a lot of good players. They're a two A school in McKee's Rocks and. Western PA, and they beat they beat this team up and down the field. And the next two days later, they trot out and put that team out against the IMG. I, I can't believe that. Plus, wouldn't the wouldn't the cons at Bishop Sycamore think like, oh, when we go on national TV, the jig is going to be up? I guess not. They're that. I mean, if you've put together a team like this and like as recklessly as they've assembled everything, put together their schedule. They're obviously living in a in, in a different reality where maybe they maybe just maybe they thought they could go out there and compete with IMG. My first thought was if you're a player who is not in high school, why would you want to come play for this team if they stink? They went 0 6 last year and got the bla- the brakes fell off of them last year. But I mean, there's a lot of guys who are desperate that say, hey, maybe I get another shot and I get to get to some JUCO and nobody noticed. But isn't there money involved? I, I had heard, like, some rationale, like, oh, these are JUCO dropouts. These are guys who couldn't start on their high school team who, like, just wanted one more shot. But basically, is, is, was there not, like, some sort of money involved? Well, the way, I'm, the way I'm taking it, I think they're pitching it as a post-grad. And, like, some of them are, like, guys who have already post-grad. But you can post-grad out of high school, and there are – I mean, I don't know if IMG has a football team that does that. I know they have a basketball team that does that. Um, but it's after you graduate high school, you do a post-grad year before you go to college. I think that's how this was pitched to a lot of guys. But obviously, some of these guys were even older than that if they if they yeah, had so already they took played some li- JUCO. They took some liberties with that uh, grad school. And it's all the school's all online. And I was listening to the coach do like a, a press conference uh, on Twitter the other day. And he was saying, essentially, they give them classes they can do online to make them NCAA eligible. That's about as far as their schooling goes. So, um, well, There were stories oh. about them traveling around the country and bailing on uh, their hotel fees because they 
They're writing bounce checks. Play them. Yeah. They're writing bounce checks to hotels. It's I think my favorite part was the one quarterback, his dad spoke out because he was like an actual pretty good player from what I read. And he was being recruited for Bishop Sycamore. And he was going to camps around the country. And the dad said, hey, me and this receiver on our team are going to come to the camp. I think it was in Houston. Uh, here's our film. And then the Houston coaches in charge of the camp wrote back saying, hey, you can come. But that receiver can't because he's using a fake ID. That's not who he is. These are highlights of his cousin. Like, like, this is just ridiculous stuff. Uh, I don't know how they made it this far without getting caught. But the more you read, the wilder it gets. Wasn't there a quarterback last guy that, like, fat high school quarterback that went viral yes. that was like six four two eighty and just mauled dudes because he played bogan. linebacker too yeah josh bogan there's clips of him like absolutely destroying high school kids and and one kid jokingly <laughs> made a comment after the game like oh that quarterback they got he's a man like he was he was a grown-ass man it, it, it's all fun and games Full it's hilarious adult. and wild but you look at this they don't have a trading staff they didn't have equipment they're like trading pads and jerseys like on the sidelines to make sure they can play. So think about if one of these like 22 year olds or older guys broke a kid's leg and you find out, yeah, he's not in high school. Tough break. <laughs> yeah. All very bizarre. And I mean, all, all, all things considered, they might still beat UMass. Davis. Matthews. Seat check. Now it's time for a seat check. Uh, this is the segment where we're going to check the temperature of Narduzzi and maybe even Coach Whipple's seats from any given week. That means, are they on the hot seat? Are they not? Is their job secure? That's what we're going to talk about each week. So we're going to give a temperature from zero to 100. Zero being Dave Wanstead after beating West Virginia. 100 being Mike Haywood after beating his wife. Um, so we're going to give Give our thoughts there. So I'm going to put it right at 50 degrees. What do you think, Squid? I'm going at 42, but we're talking 42 degrees in Pittsburgh in March. So it can change. Feels very pretty quickly. good. Yeah, I gotta gotta go with 61 degrees here. This feels great. Uh, 61 degrees. It's the average temperature of the Earth at um, any given moment. So that's that's basically my way of saying I'm I'm pretty agnostic on this question at the moment. Uh, who knows what Pat Narduzzi's seat is? Only only God can know, and God is unknowable. Um, and Panther Lair uh, Panther Lair members they know exactly what's going on. He, well. he, yeah, and he has he has me in a good spot right now with optimism. Uh, you know, I'm happy with the defense going into the year. I've been fed enough uh, BS about this guy looks insane on the offense and this guy is going to be, you know, an all American that I'm, I'm pretty convinced that we're going to win the national championship this year. Uh, but I also remember all the other times Pat Narduzzi has uh, made me really sad and feel awful. So um, yeah, I don't know, I guess. Can I just commend Narduzzi because I do have my criticisms of Narduzzi and they're, and a lot of fans do, and they're very fair. Can I just commend him on – he was brought in known to be a defensive coach, and he's delivered as putting together an elite defensive unit. Um, obviously, like, the last couple of years, they've ranked very highly with their performance. But now, just, like, the depth and, like, 
at this point, we lost a lot last year, and I feel like a lot of fans are still pretty confident that defense is just going to trot out and be really good again just because of, you know, the system they've put in place and they've recruited the right players for it. So he's delivered on that. And, I mean, I I think it's it's only just begun, really. I mean, think of the defensive recruits we've picked up in the past couple of years. You know, Nakai Johnson, Elliot Donald, they're going to be insane for, for a very long time. For me, it's just a matter of can he make an offense that is capable of doing anything? Yeah, I think if you look at the talent across the board, it is miles ahead of where it was whenever he took the job. The on-the-field success has been there, but if you just look at the defense from 2016, I mean, the guys on the defensive end, they weren't even threats. We had, like, a Juan Price. And other than that, I don't know who else is getting sacks. Now it's like, dude, our third-string defensive end might be a dog. And we just kind of cycle through our guys on defense. But like David said, we got to get a coordinator. That's something that falls on Nerdoozy's shoulders. Sean Watson didn't work out. Is Mark Wolfel the guy? We don't think so, but please change our mind, Mark. Yeah, Narduzzi, I think – I truly do think he has pretty good job security. Like, I think this season would have to go really south um, for, for him to even be in consideration for being fired. Um, and I also think a good season this year will buy him a good bit of time because there's going to be a bit of a transition after Pickett. Um, but Whipple, his seat is much hotter. I don't even think he'd be here if Pickett didn't come back. Um, so I'm putting his seat, and we're gonna, we're just going to go ahead and do a Whipple seat check this week. His seat, I'm going to put it at 80. And, and it's a little humid out, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to think Pitt would be hesitant to throw another offensive coordinator away after, like, one or two years. Um, but but my, my gut feels, which is what we do all of our thinking with, say that that man does not belong on a power five sideline right now. I mean, some of the decisions that were made last year still to this day haunt and upset me. Yeah. Right now. I think the Whipple seat is easily 85, maybe 90 degrees. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to blow the brakes off of UMass. We'll put up 40 at the half Tennessee game. If it's a one score game or it's like seven, nothing slow start. People are calling for Whipple set after the first three and out. I'm probably doing one of them too. They're just all the pieces are there. Make it happen. I think um, I I'm willing to give Whipple this third year, um, especially because you know it allowed Pickett to come back, and that's what's most important. We all know Pickett that. Yeah, Pickett, I'll give him a shot. Pickett yeah. fought for this, which is, I mean, I mean, not to say that he was in there, you know, knocking on Pat Narduzzi's door saying. I'm not coming back if you don't bring Whipple back. But he, he at one point, you know, the conversation, he, he said it in interviews, Mark Whipple coming back was part of the reason he came back. And I, I'm not so, saying that that saved Mark Whipple's job, but I, <laughs> that, is, that is not working against him. Yeah, I mean, he also, I, I think Pickett didn't want to learn a new offense, obviously. But yeah, that helped Whipple. Whip will come back, get another shot at it. I will say, um, I think, I mean, obviously it's, it's his offense. There has to be, he has to improve things, but like a lot of stuff last year, like the drop balls. I mean, we've, t- we talk about it till we're blue in the face, but the drop balls killed so many drives. It's like, he, 
maybe he drew up some plays and there were some drives that if players execute, you know, we get in the end zone. But at the end of the day, it is his job to make sure points get put up on the board. But I'm interested to see how things change this year. I hope I hope he adapts a little. I feel like that's one thing he hasn't done very well. I mean, we can go back to the Vincent Davis thing. Like, how many times do we have to watch him get stuff three yards behind, behind the line of scrimmage? What would you give to combine uh, the 2016 team's offense with – uh, this year's pit defense. Uh, ten years of my life, easily. I because I'm not kidding. That that team was putting up what forty five a game. It was one of the best offenses. It was something five. ridiculous. Yeah, I mean that's a team who competes for the competes for the ACC competes for a lot. I'm, I'm not going to say what playoff, I'm but that team, that team 2016 led the NCAA in red zone touchdown efficiency it was like over 80 percent, which is just ridiculous to think about considering I they just like gave it to the biggest guy on the field every time they're selling for field goals and now we have a question mark as a kicker so if we have to sell for field goals like we did last year we might be in trouble that's going to cost us it might bite us in the ass here or there so get in the end zone whipple's got to figure out the the red zone offense that's that in the run game well, they just knew to give it to the biggest guy on the team. They have Peterman roll right, throw it backwards to Brian O'Neill. <laughs> That's worst case scenario. Three yards. Hey, Matt Canada's right next door working for the Steelers now. Tell him to meet with Whipple. We can give him some plays, give him some motions to run before the snap. Oh, you mean you mean the Matt Canada that wanted to take the open pit offensive coordinator job after we fired Sean Watson, but stubborn ass Narduzzi said no, because he couldn't commit to staying like forever. He, he wouldn't commit to not taking uh, an offensive coordinator job if offered one at like a huge school. So Narduzzi walked. I actually haven't heard that story. You mentioned that, but I, I hadn't heard that. I, I do know that that offense was electric. I don't know if Pitt's current personnel would have fit with something like that. Um, but that being said, I do like the way that Pitt has tried to move the offense. Like Whipple has tried to, you know, the pass happy. I think you do need to like spread things out and throw the ball around all around the field to be really good in college football. Um, so we'll see. But I think after, you know, the first two weeks we'll be – We'll have a pretty good idea on what the offense is going to look like, for better or for worse. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us at Capel Faithful on Twitter. Feel free to send us DMs, reply to our tweets. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about on the show. Um, But we appreciate you tuning in, and we're looking forward to seeing where the season goes. We'll see you down at Heinz Field on Saturday, and we'll see you throughout the rest of the season for Kenny Pickett's last ride. Hail, loyal sons of Pittsburgh. I'll give him two field goals and we'll go. Okay. I'm going to start over because I was going to say 51 to six, but wasn't that the score that Pitt lost yes. Penn State by? Yeah, no, oh. we're not, we're not going to do that. 50, 52 to six. Okay. <laughs> or 50 to six. Just not. <laughs>